Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1, where we challenge the assumptions of our current society to resist oppression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity, and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ 102.1 FM. Good on you for tuning in to Brisbane's own community radio station. My name is Andy and I'll be hanging out with you for the next hour. I'm coming to you this week from On the Road at Wongatha Country in Western Australia near Kalgoorlie, but um, I will be talking to you about issues much closer to home in Brisbane, and both of them concern Aboriginal country in fact. Um, Firstly, I'm going to be speaking to Daniel Thompson, who is a Yuggera person, um, the one of the nations that is over the southeast Queensland area in the Brisbane area. Um, Daniel has been part of the Deebing Creek Protection Camp, um, which has been going for several years now, um, trying to stop the uh, clearing and suburbanisation of the old Deebing Creek Mission, which Yagara people say was um, part was the site of a massacre. And there's been a few developments there. They've found some bones, and there um, there are claims that these bones are human bones. But possibly related to that, um, they've been given a trespass notice from A.V. Jennings, a developer there. Um, but they're still standing strong at Deebing Creek. And I'll also be speaking to... Uh, Cody McAvoy, he's Wongan and Jagalingu man, and for the last 260 days, he has been camping out um, at Watanungu, the cultural ceremony site that is uh, taking place on the mining lease of Adani, of course, Queensland's least favourite coal mining company. Uh, Wongan and Jagalingu people have been resisting it for a long time, and the Watanungu camp is the latest step in their resistance. They um, are still there. And coming up uh, next week is a tour de Carmichael, a bike ride cultural tour uh, on push bikes through Wongan and Jagalingu country. So I'll talk to Cody about that as well. That's all coming up on the show. So stick around um, and let's get into it and have a listen to my chat with Daniel Thompson about the campaign and camping out on country to try to protect Deebing Creek. My name is Daniel Thompson. 
Um, I'm a descendant of, of people from, from the Great Ipswich region. The spelling of our, of, our, of our nation and tribal group is spelt Y-U-G-G-E-R-A. And Yagara people have been working to defend a site near Ipswich that is called Deeping Creek. Can you give us a bit of an overview of that site and the campaign to protect it? Oh, so the, the campaign, so like, like what you just mentioned, is um, so the, the people on site now, the protectors, um, Jarjambar Protection Group, um, are, are near the gazetted cemetery area of Deeping Creek. But the protection actually started way back when, probably in the 70s and 80s. A lot of, lot of people from um, my particular bloodline were camped out there and said the place was a spot of massacre and that, yeah, that's why they were out there protecting the site way back when. So as you say, Yagara people have said that it is a site of a massacre, but um, it was also the site of a mission. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. So a mission and or reserve in which... Um, People were placed there from um, all different backgrounds, like um, all different backgrounds as, as in Aboriginal groups, nations and all the rest of it. They come from yeah, all, all over, um, not only probably Queensland, but parts of um, northern New South Wales. I think people from Victoria were even placed there. We've, we've heard stories that even people from WA were placed at Demon Creek, so yeah. So for Yagara people, Demon Creek is a significant site, but what about it? makes it significant is it that it was the site of the massacre or that it was the mission or there's also a cemetery there yeah well there's there, there is a gazetted cemetery there um, we used ground penetrating radar in 2019 and the ground penetrating radar that we used um, basically proved that there was um, the potential for trenches to be under the surface um, so that's one of the reasons why Deben Creek is significant. Um, we've also found recently through the discovery of human remains in a pit-like area, um, which is, is still set to be developed. Um, it goes under the Deeping Springs jurisdiction of A.V. Jennings. They still want to develop the site where it's been proven that there's human remains on the surface to this day. Um, that's another reason why it's significant. There's endangered species of tea tree, um, all around the place. There's koala habitat, which is, it's clear like where, where the protectors are camped now, they've, they've seen multiple koalas, recorded koalas findings all the time. You can see them on certain gums that are out there. It's significant for that reason. And, and over to the main Fraser site, which we haven't been able to access for a long time, there's a lot of reasons why that place is significant and needs further investigation as well. There's, there's an old bunya there as well. Um, as, as well as other things of cultural significance. I don't want to um, allude too much about, about it, but there's more than one thing on, on the main Fraser side, as they call it nowadays, and they still want to develop that, which is still very culturally significant to not only our people, but people from all different nations and clan groups. Yeah, so let's talk about the application to develop it. Um, A.V. Jennings, a development company, is proposing to... Uh, clear the site and subdivide it and suburbanise it? Yeah, so just basically to make it into a, uh, another housing development, um, which, um, you know, we're, we're not naive about the fact that we need more more housing for the population growth in the area, but we just, um, we're just not real happy that it comes, comes about to be around a spot of, as, as I've alluded to, a spot of massacre and a spot of culture before that. It'll, it's, it'll, it'll just end up like another 
I'm not even sure what the um, the prices of the lots are priced at at the moment, but you're talking about yeah developing on top of bones or in, in close proximity to bones, and yeah, I wouldn't have my kids around it. Now, for the last few years, there has been uh, people camped out on site, a bit of a, a protest camp and a, a cultural occupation, um, and that's been going continuously for a couple of years now. Can you tell us about the significance of that camp? Well, the camps, the, the camps are significant for more than one re- reason. We've got like a sovereign garden going on out there. We've had people in a place that have been been out there and sent been sent by people who um who were part of the original protection that I that I alluded to earlier in the 70s and 80s um people of my bloodline who asked certain people to stick around and do the right thing for Deepen Creek and they're still out there um yeah there's more than one thing going on but the main concern at the moment is to you know preserve preserve the land and have it always preserved has it been good for Yagara people and Aboriginal people in the area having this community space where people are coming together and living on country? Oh, it's to, to a certain degree. Like there's there's certain certain members of the community who aren't Yagara and and there's members of Yagara who, who, who probably disagree with it. But I, I think it's I think it's full like the, the basis of what, what the people are there to do is, is to protect the site and protect um, ancestral human remains. And, and we've, we've now got evidence of that in, in more than one form and we, we just want the site preserved. Um, for the koalas, because they're running out of spaces as well, like if you drive around this place, I, I see it daily, I, I live in this community, you drive around and you see koalas and possums skittled all the time because they've got nowhere else to go. It's, it's already been proven that the koalas are there, so we've got fudged environmental reports, again, for development. We've got a fudged DA from the Ipswich City Council because now AB Jennings are calling them sinkholes. If they're sinkholes, how can you develop on it? How does the DA get approved? It's just, it's just it's disgusting to think that a government knows the truth about what's happened at the site and still refuse to listen or acknowledge the history. I, on the A.B. Jennings site now, they're, they're talking about there, there was no massacre. Well, how would they know? Because it's been passed down through our oral history and it always has been. It wasn't written on a piece of paper, but it's true and correct to this day. That's why, to this day, the Queensland Police Service want to confiscate bones off a professor who's an expert in ancient DNA. Yeah, so this has been a, a recent development at Deebing Creek is the discovery of these bones and then a bit of a dispute over these bones. Can you tell us more about that? I only know to the fact that the, the professor analysed some bones in an area in the, for the future development of Deben Springs in that vicinity. They, they look to be human bones, so he, he made some tests on it. He come back with um, some of them were actually human. And, um, yeah, he wanted to further investigate it. And since then, the Queensland Police Service have tried to ascertain the bones and I think since have and have 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 looked at them in 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 broad daylight and said none of them were human bones and that that was it and this has all happened in the last month or so yeah that's correct yeah and since then there's also been a trespass notice handed to the camp after a couple of years of living there what's happening with that so that was handed, I was away, away doing a couple of duties, but apparently that was handed over on, uh, it would have been late April, to the protectors on site, 
and it basically said that they were trespassing. That's when the Queensland Police Service apparently said that they had no knowledge of the bones reported. Now the bones reported ha have been documented through protectors on site. Um, when, when the bones were, were reported to the Queensland Police Service at Yamante Police Station in question and nothing was followed up and then they turned up, you know, within, I don't know how many days or weeks of that and said they didn't know about it but they wanted to remove the people on site. Has there been anything happened since then, since that trespass notice was given? To the best, to the best of my knowledge, they haven't, they haven't attempted again on site, but they're still continuing, continuing work on what is now they, they call the Fraser's jurisdiction of the old Demon Creek Mission so Reserve or site. They're now still conducting works up there, even though they know of the discovery of what's happened on the A.V. Jennings portion of the land, if you get what I'm saying. And so what's the future plans for the Deeping Creek protectors? We're just going to keep trying to protect, protect what's, what's ours. Um, yeah, it's about doing, doing the right thing um, more than anything. That's what we're about. We're about protecting the site, protecting the atrocities that were done on the site and potentially moving forward. They, they can build little housing blocks anywhere else, like, you know, like they've done at Springfield, like they've done countless you know they've cleared enough bush well why have they got to clear what what our what our old people were enslaved on and massacred on like it, it makes no sense so if people want to find out more about Deeping Creek or want to show support how can they do that oh, multiple ways but probably the, the best thing is just having having conversations but the, you can also there's a site on Facebook the Jarge and Bar Protection site Eden Creek. If you if you just Google search that or Facebook search that, and it'll come up with what what the mob were doing on the ground. And can people come out there to the site? Yeah, um, basically, basically we're we're pretty inviting most of the times. Like, unless you're out there with a property developer or a QPS, we, we don't get you know we don't get scared that easily. The people on site are happy to show you the gardens and all the rest of it, and and give you a quick rundown of the history. Every now and again we do um, truth and healing out there, that's been a constant thing. We've invited people of the local community to come out and we've called it Toolmore Truth and Healing where we'll do every month or two we'll, we'll meet up with some new people and sometimes people that have been there before and we'll just, we'll just go over the history and why we continue to fight for the site and what's going on on camp. What's been the effect of those truth and healing meetings? Oh, they, they get pretty emotional. You come together with people from all different backgrounds and, you know, we, we get across our grievances, I suppose, as First Nations people about the potential development of the site and we've got a lot of people on site who aren't First Nations but they're, they're still down for the fight. We get to the nitty-gritty about why we're upset and, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty emotional and we've, we've invited people. This, this is the thing, like, we've invited Mayor Teresa Harding. We've, we've invited her. We've, we've invited people of local government before it got to this. We, we invited them to come down and sit down and talk it out and have a cuppa, you know, but they, no one had really come to it, you know. Like, so we've got, we got a mayor at the moment who, through, through that proposed Deben Springs um, application, basically wants re-vegetation where, where the pit area is, where human remains have been found. She wants re-vegetation, which can only mean, what, some trees on top of it. And it's not like we haven't given her the opportunity. Like it's, it's been a case of, um, do you want to actually talk to grassroots people about why we continue to fight for the site? But it's, 
obviously they got bigger agendas or they're paid off agendas, so. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of big bucks go through Ipswich City Council uh, over the years, as we know. Um, but for Yagara people, it's still that case, the old way of just sitting down and talking, hey? Oh, it, it's, it's, I don't even think it's, it's not even our, our, our direct way, Andy. It's, it's all of our people's way. It's just sit down and yarn it out. But it's, it, it, you, you take them, what, what people have got to understand is when neighbouring tribes and all the rest of it, it's all good to sit down and have a yarn and all the rest of it. But when we're talking about Deben Creek and the atrocities, well, it's not Yuggera jurisdiction, you know, it's not our jurisdiction. It's, it's, it's bigger than that because the people that were potentially massacred come from all different backgrounds of our peoples, you know what I mean? you got to acknowledge that first. Okay, thanks very much, Daniel. All right, mate. Take care. You're listening to The Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ, and we were speaking with Daniel Thompson about the uh, Deebing Creek uh, old mission site, massacre site, um, that... Yuggera people and Yugarable people and uh, Aboriginal people of all kinds and their supporters have been trying to protect. And it's several years now. That camp at Deebing Creek has been going since 2019. Uh, it was set up. Uh, the campaign's been going much longer than that. I interviewed um, Daniel's cousin, actually, Wade Thompson, I think... 2017 about um, trying to protect Deebing Creek and so it has been uh, a long long struggle and uh, one ongoing and one where it's interesting that talk just then about um, truth and healing that's these things often are about much more than just one patch of land that are trying to be saved it's about how to live in this country um, how to come to terms with the fact that this land was taken from the people that were living in it and what that means for our present situation. Um, so all these campaigns, they're, they're important um, in many, many ways, but also protecting that land at Deben Creek is important and uh, you can support it, you can get involved, you can go down there and visit them and as Daniel said, you can check out the uh, Facebook page for a lot of updates on what's going on there and you can contact them through that as well. Well, another Aboriginal people that have been fighting against uh, the desecration of their land for a long time is Wongan and Jagalingu people in central Queensland, sort of inland from Mackay. It's a, a big area, a big country, and they've had a big struggle on their hands trying to stop the Adani Carmichael mine. The mine, of course, is built. It's uh, still struggling a bit, that mine, um, but it is going. But Wongan and Jagalingu people have not given up, and they the most recent step has been the Wadanungu ongoing continuous ceremony being conducted on uh, Adani's mine lease there. Um, and I spoke to Cody McAvoy, who's been there for 260 days now. He says 240 in this interview, but I did do it a couple of weeks ago, actually. And so um, an incredible effort there. Very inhospitable conditions through summer, I can tell you that. Um, but they are still going and so let's have a listen to Cody and see what it's all about. What a boy. Nigel Nari Kuri, Naya Wadawidi, Nigel Yambanani Wangan Yagalingu. 
Hello, how are you going? My name is Cody. Big witty language, and I'm from the Wangan Jagalingu people from central Queensland. So Wangan Jagalingu have been in the news quite a bit in recent years uh, over the struggle against Adani and the Carmichael mine that's taken many different facets over the years and uh, is still going with uh, you and others camped out there uh, across from Adani's mine site at Watanungu. For those who don't know, do you want to give us a brief overview of how you ended up at this point? Yeah, so um, we've initially said no to Adani in 2012, and then in 2014, the whole group said no. So we've been saying no ever since. You know, uh, Adani got a, an illegitimate uh, Indigenous land use agreement um, fraudulently signed by um, members that are no longer members of our group through anthropological reports. And so we've maintained um, our stance against Adani's Carmichael mine uh, ever since. Uh, my father, Adrian Burugaba, went through five federal court cases to try and stop Adani. And then subsequently he ended up getting bankrupted for around $670,000, somewhere around that. He had no assets, so um, there was no drawing blood from the stone. So Adani's lawyers couldn't get any money out of him. Um, and that was just a wasted expense for them. So then, from then, we started our actions on the ground. In 2019, I built a ceremony ground in an area called Lot 1, which is where their rail corridor drives through. Got subsequently uh, starved out of food and water from Adani Security, so I had to leave from there. And then on the 26th of August, 2020, we built a big fire right in the middle of the road just next to the cattle grid and stopped all the bunny cars and workers from using this road. They had to use the rail corridor that they had made, but it was open to the public, the police and the, and the general public could use the side access gate that was there. And so we set up a camp in um, an area called The Footprint. Um, we call it Dalgoo Dinner. Uh, it's a very special place. It's got... Um, Lots of really old growth trees with birthing scars on them, and, and there's a burial scar on there. And so we set that place up as a camp and had the fire out on the road, and uh, the police eventually came and removed us, and then they came into the into the pastoral east where our camp was on the footprint and removed us from there. So we went. My dad went to Brisbane, got a human rights um, case against the Queensland Police. And then in March 2021, um, we had a mediation with the Queensland Police and Crown Lawyers and Human Rights Commission. Found that they had breached our human rights for removing us from the footprint. So they had to write a statement of regret saying they're going to um, take precaution when dealing with us in the future. After we got that letter, I did a tour to Carmichael, which was a 105-kilometre bike ride from the Gregory Highway to uh, where where I am right now. And um, and then we finished back off at the at the footprint. And so on the 26th of August, I was thinking of something to do that um, would be the, the kind of the anniversary of doing something out here every 26th of August. 
So we decided to set up uh, Wadanangu. So Wada means talk. The na suffix on the end makes it Wadana, talking. And then the ungu on the end makes it na. So the talking. Wadanangu means the talking. So anything from talking to neighbouring tribes to tribes far and wide to talking to non-tribal people that's in this country now to talking to government officials that have the power to remove uh, Adani from across the road. So where we are situated, we're sitting on a flood levee and um, it's a built-up wall and it's directly opposite of Adani's mine pit. And we've been here since the 26th of August last year, which is day 240 today, actually. So we've been here. I've been here every night. I've slept at Wadanungu through the strong winds, through the torrential rains, through the scorching heats of like 47, 48 degrees. And we're still here. We're still um, enjoying ourselves. And, you know, the talking is still happening. So that's the bit of a basic overview of where we're up to till now. 240 days is a very long time. When you first set it up, did you know what you were in for? Uh, no, when we first set it up, we were kind of just anticipating of getting removed straight away or within like a week. Um, when we originally set it up, it was through old maps that we were looking at that this was supposed to be the gazetted road. So we thought we'd try and take advantage of being on the gazetted road. But turns out that the maps were wrong and um, where the road is is actually where the road is gazetted. So turns out we're actually just ended up on the mining lease. So then we made the decision while I was here. I was like, well, I'm already here. I'm not going to leave now. Let's, let's at least give it a shot. Um, so I said to the police, that I'm not going to speak to the police until they get me a translator because everybody in this country isn't afforded a translator, so um, I have the right to speak my own language on my own country. And um, they've found it very difficult to try and find a translator, and they're still finding it difficult to find a translator um, because I, I just I won't talk to them about Watanungu to them because I said to them that, um, as representatives of the Crown, if you want to know about my culture, I have to tell you in my language because it's a descriptive language. So it's a bit of a um, thing I've got going with the police because it's a, it's a right that everybody has in this country. It's a law that they have to have a translator. So this thing has been going on for 240 days now, um, and I'm just using the laws that they have um, and just turning it around and, you know, doing it in a peaceful way, in a peaceful manner. And it's just a, it's basically just an, an occupation. The, the fire in the inside um, a stone circle that we have here has always been lit and there's uh, always one Wanganadzegalungu person inside the circle at all times. And there's nothing foreign inside the circle, so we can't bring in shoes, I uh, can't wear hats or watches or bring a phone in or anything like that. So we have these three rules set up that have been going for 240 days now and, and the hundreds of people that have come here have all respected that those three rules. 
outside. Those three rules are there that if the police try to come and remove me from the circle, then they're going to be breaking those three rules that everybody has adhered to since, since being here. So um, it's a strategic game that I'm playing um, with the Queensland Police and with the government to the extent of I'm trying to let them know that I know how to play this game and I want my country back. It was taken from my grandfather, and and I'm here to say to the state government um, that I want it back. They stole it, and it's not about black or white. It's about property rights. It was taken from our people. Um, so this is the whole struggle that um, that we're going through, having to try and um, get this conversation with the government, but. Being here um, just highlights the issue and, um, you know, most things that have happened through the history of time have happened to the people that have been persistent and consistent. And hard work and determination and dedication eventually pays off throughout history. Um, so, you know, it's about being consistent but, and that's what we're doing here and, you know, I'm going to consistently stay here until some real change happens, whether it takes another six months or whether it takes another year or whatever. I'm pretty prepared to um, see where this goes. And Wadunungu will continue on. For yourself and the other Wangan and Jagalingu people that have been there, I mean, has this changed your way of, like, appreciating how you relate to country or... Um, how you relate to each other? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, um, everybody that comes here feels more and more connected the more that they stay here. Um, you know, most of my family have come here and yeah, I've got a fair bit of family staying here now and they they really enjoy the, the serenity of just going out into the bush out the back, you know. Um, this is not a dry, desolate um, desert area. We have over a hundred different bird species in our backyard here. Um, we have purebred dingoes. You know, we have um, goannas. We have emus, kangaroos. It's full of life out the back here that people can come and see that this is not just a barren wasteland that is just readily available to, to come and mine. You know, we have totemic trees here that I'm teaching my family that we're connected to these trees and we're connected to these animals and it's our human right to protect them. Under the Queensland Human Rights Act, it's our human right to protect these animals that are from the north northern end of this mining loop. So if even if it comes to the point where I'll make the deal with the government that they turn this northern section of the mining loop into a um, nature refuge that they can't mine in here, then that'll be a win there, I think. Mm. And you mentioned the Tour de Carmichael from last year, earlier on. There's another Tour de Carmichael coming up? Yeah, there's another Tour de Carmichael coming up. It's on the 23rd to the 27th of May. But yeah, um, more than free to come along. Everybody is welcome. It's open to everybody. Anybody that has any sort of... um, Willingness to learn, learn um, Wanganajagalingi culture. And you learn our culture through us 
explaining to our surroundings and describing it to people is how somebody would do if they would walk into their backyard and they have all these ornaments and people just bring them over to their house to show people. Um, so this is basically what we're doing. We're showing people that this is, we are the people from here. And um, it's just a great a great way to take in the scenery um, on a push bike because you, you don't really get the chance to because you're driving so fast along the dirt road that you kind of miss a lot of the things. So if people want to come and learn about Wanganajagalungu culture, also learn about, you know, Aboriginal culture in general, um, on how to approach Aboriginal people, go back to your homes and how to um, have this, um, meaningful conversation with the traditional owners in your area to get the conversation started. Because the onus is not upon the Aboriginal people to come to the broader public. It's up to the broader public that has to come and make the effort to want to come and learn Aboriginal culture to have some real conciliation. Not reconciliation, because we've never been together. This type of things that we do with the Tour de Carmichael and Watanungu is to bring people together, is the conciliation, is the, you know, come and learn. We're open. Aboriginal culture and Aboriginal people aren't an exclusive thing. It's always been open. It's just that the government has always said that it's us versus them. So they've thought that we'll never accept them. But the Tour de Carmichael is a great example of um, our willingness to want to teach people and... Because once you teach people and once they learn, they can't unlearn it then. And they know that, you know, there's some sort of moral responsibility because they know how this environment works. So if you if you feel like you want to learn some stuff, um, come along to the Tilda Carmichael. There's a registration on the Tilda Carmichael website. And um, all uh, Aboriginal people from around the country, if they would like to come as well, it, it's free for them. Um, just contact us and fill out the rego form and just let us know what mob you're from and um, if you need any assistance in travel. So, uh, yeah, Tour de Carmichael is open for everyone to, to come along and enjoy and have some uh, great experiences with uh, lots of other people on, on push bikes. And 240 days in, um, you've been there certainly a long time. What's the plans for the future? So the plans for the future is to just keep getting the word out there, keep um, putting the pressure on the court systems, keep putting pressure on the land court. You know, it's it's not just the Dani that um, we're in battle with. It's also um, GVK owned by Gina Reinhardt and Waratah Cole. So um, I just recently went down to Bimblebox Nature Reserve two days ago, and uh, the Welcome to Country for the Land Court. It's the first time they've ever come out onto country and done a on-country court uh, proceeding. So I, I, we made it very special for them, and I think we left a lasting impression on uh, the, the Land Court judge, not only the Land Court judge, but a lasting impression on the, the president of the Land Court was also there as well. And um, they were pretty taken back and um, they enjoyed the information that we presented to them. And I think if this could be a turning tide for, you know, our rights being recognised 
as our human rights to be recognised to protect our environment because they're so closely tied into our culture. So these type of things will continue to happen, um, will continue to um, show up and make our presence known to um, the court systems that, you know, this part up here where I'm where I'm currently residing isn't the only part of my country. It travels all the way down to Alpha and um, out to Claremont. So, you know, there's a big stretch of country that, you know, I've got to constantly be be here for. And so, you know, it's it's a it's an, a slow process. We still, you know, building relationships with the Claremont and the Isaac Council. We've got a crobbery ground in there now so it's just basically about doing more more programs and um, getting the community more involved in in um, in our way of life and who we are so um, there's a long long road to go and you know it's not just a this is not just a stunt it's it's not a feel-good moment that I do to try and make myself feel good this is my life and this is my life, and I don't know how long it's going to take, and um, you know whether it takes years or not. But we we're going to keep trying. We're going to keep putting in um, court um, litigation against the Dani to try and eventually make him leave. So the fight doesn't stop until he leaves, I guess. And we don't lose until we quit. So no time to quit around here when there's so many uh, animals and these sacred trees depend on us. So, big uh, burden to carry, but we know that if we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. So, uh, it's up to us. All right. Thanks very much, Kudz. No worries. Leading into this election, direct your digital device to 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast to make sense of the election. With daily updates and breakdowns in words that mean something to us and you. Brought to you by the ingenious 4ZZZ Newsroom. You can listen to it all via 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash news or via your favourite podcasting app. That interview you just heard was Cody McAvoy, Wongan and Jagalingu, um, and Weirdy Speaking uh, activist, um, giving us an update on Watanungu. They've been there for 260 days now on Adani's mine site. Of course, they've been resisting Adani much longer than that. As you will probably know if you're a regular listener to the Paradigm Shift, we've had a lot to do with them over the years. And uh, if you want to go up there to Watanungu, you can. It's a long way from anywhere. (laughs) Claremont's the closest town. Uh, Emerald's the closest airport, I think. Um... You can go up there and um, show your support. Um, there's lots of other ways you can show your support too, pitch in some money or spread the word. But the Tour de Carmichael is happening next week. I heard there's another event on next weekend that's uh, far less empowering when it comes to politics, but still important, I guess. Um, but the Tour de Carmichael had been had its date picked uh, long before the election. And uh, so people are going to go up there ride through um, Wangan and Jagalingu country, a bit through Janga country as well, I should point out, um, and experience that country and uh, learn about it and why it needs to be protected. Um, it is a great time. I was on the tour last year and can recommend it. Um, and you can 
find out more, uh, Wongan Jagalingu Standing Our Ground is the Facebook page, and I think the website where you can learn how to get into the Tour de Carmichael if you're keen to be a last-minute registration for that. Uh, before Cody, of course, at the start of the show, we were speaking to Daniel Thompson, uh, much closer to home, just east of Ipswich, um, where the Deving Creek mission is trying to be developed by A.V. Jennings, and they've been doing the same thing, sitting down on country, um, bearing witness to it, to the continuing connection, and trying to protect it. Um, when you don't have the political power of big mining companies or big development companies, but you do have a lot of determination and uh, a long culture of getting together and um, sharing space together, then it is an option. You can sit down on country, and it's worked many times for Aboriginal people through history, actually, and uh, hopefully for both these Queensland Aboriginal nations, um, it will work again. But as I said earlier with um, Daniel, there's a lot to be learnt about what it means to live in Australia from these campaigns, you know, and from going and talking to people and trying to figure out, you know, what does it mean to belong to country, to respect Indigenous people's connection to it, um, and what can we learn from that. Uh, there's all kinds of things. I really liked what Daniel's saying about the truth and healing talks they've been doing. And Cody was saying the same about um, conciliation. He said it's not about reconciliation because they were, were never together to begin with. It started off badly. It's about working towards a better start. It's not about bringing it back to some equilibrium that we never had. And... Um, both these Aboriginal men I've interviewed today and, of course, the Aboriginal nations that they represent and the campaigns that they're a part of have something to offer politics in this country if people are willing to sit down and listen to these people who are sitting down to talk. So that's about all I have time for on the Paradigm Shift. I'll be back next week, of course. See you then.